In sports columnist Jim Suhan today brought to you by St. Claude's General Rental Center. Morning, Jim. Morning, Jim. All right, so the Minnesota Wild lose a tough going, a game against Colorado last night, 3-2. to two. Uh, They seemed like they thought they played pretty well. What's going on? How can they not seem to get over the top? Yeah, well, they've not scored enough goals still. Flory gave up a soft goal, and they can't afford that when they're not playing well overall. It, it, you know, I, I think I've been saying most of the year I felt like this is a playoff team. I thought it was a mid-level, you know, playoff team and that they would work things out. I'm, I'm starting to doubt that um i don't like what i'm hearing from them uh they they lose a game they probably should have won and they talk about how well they played and that they should have won it uh, you know addison gets benched dumba's gotten benched uh they aren't scoring enough goals they aren't good enough five on five it, it, it feels like uh it feels like this is a frustrated team and they're frustrated for the right reasons because they're not good enough uh so listen you know, it's, it's hockey. They could bounce back. They could have a good week and be right back in the six or seven seed or whatever. But, but I, I, I think there's a, for the first time this year, I feel like it's a pretty bad vibe around this team. Jim, they've had rough stretches in past years as well, and they've been able to overcome them and, and at least become a playoff team. Or in some cases, their rough stretch happened in the playoffs. Um, how do teams pull out of those types of things? Well, you know, once again, this is, this is an 82 game season. Um, uh, there aren't many great teams, if any great teams. Uh, and, you know, and it's kind of an effort sport. So a bad team can play really hard one night and give you trouble. So every team's going to have, I mean, you, unless you're exceptional, you're not going to go through an 82 game season without slumps. Uh, you know, it's all about just managing the schedule. It's about winning enough to get in the playoffs, give yourself a fair shot. I, I think, you know, big picture here, this is just not that talented a team. Uh, Kaprizov is great. Uh, the goalies might be good enough, might not be good enough. Defense, uh, they've had good defensive depth for a while now, but they don't seem real happy with Dumba. And without Dumba, you know, it's, I mean, listen, Spurgeon's an excellent player. Berdine's a very good defensive defenseman. Uh, but it's not a dynamic, it's really not a dynamic group. Uh, and it's not, but, you know, it's still, all this stuff aside, it still comes down to, you got to score goals. You know, hockey people love talking about little things and love talking about emotion and grit and all that stuff. You got to put the puck in the net. You know, you don't get rewarded for the other things. You get rewarded for scoring goals. They don't have enough goal scorers. Last year, uh, between Fiala having a really good year and a bunch of other people playing really well alongside Fiala and Kaprizov, they scored a lot of goals and they scored, and they scored five on five. This year, they're not doing that. And, you know, and if you don't score goals, eventually you are going to get frustrated. Did they gamble that they had enough scoring and that young players were going to be able to fill some of those key roles and it just hasn't paid off? Yes, and there's also a reason for that. They still have Parisian Suter on the books. It's not like they had a lot of flexibility to go make big changes. You know, they they took they basically decided they didn't think Fiala was a good enough two way player to reward him with a big contract, especially under their, their payroll limitations right now. And that's not an illogical decision to make. And Fiala isn't having a great year. He can still score goals, but he's not having a great year, and he's not a great defender. So, you know, that's the thing about salary cap sports. You can make a lot of logical decisions and still end up with a, a not very good team. Uh, I really feel like they needed they needed their second-tier players you know, Hartman, Zuccarello, uh, you know, Boldy, 
uh, Dumba. They kind of need that second tier good but not great players to all have really good years, and it just really hasn't happened. Jim, uh, switching attention to the Gopher women's basketball team who win by three at home over Nebraska. A lot of points scored in this one. They scored 95. Maura Braun, uh, who you've talked about a number of times uh, this year, 28 points, seven rebounds. Your thoughts on this Gopher win? They they needed a game like that. And I think I've been repeating myself. Uh, you know, it's one thing to lose with a young team. I didn't like the fact that they were losing and scoring in the 40s. You know, or just there, there's just too much talent on this team to not score. And, you you know, if you're young and not physically strong, you might get pushed around in the Big Ten. It's an excellent basketball conference. And maybe you're going to lose. I'd rather see them lose 80 to 75 than see them lose, you know, 60 to 40, which has been kind of the routine lately. So to see them score, to see Marabron break out of her slump, see them hit some clutch shots in the fourth quarter, I, I think that's, you know, it, listen, this team isn't going anywhere this year, but I think that's a good sign for this group. Jim, the uh, Twins are down there in uh, Fort Myers. You're down there covering them. Uh, what are some of the things that you're hearing from uh, camp down there? Anything uh, interesting that has come up so far? I'm in the dugout right now, and uh, so you might hear the the uh, blowers and everything in the background. You know, and you know how it is in spring training. There aren't that many days where there's actual news. Mostly, it's conversations and kind of subtle, which I love. It's it's the only time in sports we really sit down and and write about people who aren't under pressure to win that day or the next day. You know, it's, it's a, it's a great vibe. I will say this. Um, this is a deep and talented team. Now, will they have, you know, will they have enough middle of the order hitting, you know, will, will Kirilov be healthy? I mean, they're, they're all, all the usual spring training questions, many of which are based around health, but this is a deep team. Uh, these guys are really fired up that they got Correa back. Uh, they're really fired up. They got Pablo Lopez. They they think they're good. Uh, they think they're good. They think they're deep. There's a really good vibe in that clubhouse right now. Do you think they're the best team in the division? <sighs> the White Sox are such a mystery. I mean, they're still really talented. And maybe having a new manager and getting rid of Larusa puts them over the top. But I just don't trust them. Cleveland overachieved last year. But they have pitching, and pitching makes you dangerous. And they have pitching in a couple of great position players. That makes you dangerous. I I think if the Twins are healthy, they win the division. Uh, and they have a new you know, athletic trainer here. They think they have, are going to have a better handle on the soft tissue injuries that bothered them last year. Um, but some of it's luck, you know. If Buxton – I mean, I'll tell you what. If Buxton and Correa both play – Whatever, 130 games. Let's say they they combine to play 260 games. I think this team wins the division. Uh, if they don't, if they can't play, if, they, if they're injured, then then that's where the roster depth will have to take over. And they do have better. I mean, you know, Taylor is a Gold Glove center fielder and he's a backup here. Uh, Kyle Farmer is a starting caliber infielder and he's a backup here. They have great depth. They have better depth than they had last year. Uh, so maybe they can survive injuries better, but they, they don't really want to find out. Jim, because they had so many injuries last year, is that one of the reactions why they chose that we really need to make sure we have better depth? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. Um, also, like, yes. I mean, the short answer is yes. 
And, you know, when Taylor came to me, it's funny, I was doing a podcast with Smalley and Lavelle uh, a few weeks back, and I was like, you know, I look at their roster, and the only thing I think they actually need, I mean, Minnesotans always think the Twins need more pitching. Even if they had 85 all-stars, they think you need one more. Uh, I looked at the roster, the only thing I really need is a backup center fielder, a true backup center fielder. And they went out and got Taylor like an hour later. Uh, so having a Having a true backup center fielder who's a gold glove fielder, that's a major upgrade. You're not sticking Royce Lewis or, or Nick Gordon out there and hoping they can handle it. And, they, and listen, Nick Gordon did a really good job when asked last year, but he's not a center fielder. So I think Taylor is a major upgrade. Getting Farmer and then bringing Correa back means you have a starting caliber guy who can play around the infield um, and he can hit. Uh, so, yeah, I do think this, Nick Gordon saved them last year by being such a versatile utility guy. But now Nick Gordon is one of three or four bench players who you don't mind seeing out there. I think that's a, a big upgrade. Jim, who do you think the uh, the outfielders are going to be when they break camp? Uh, I think Gallo in left, Kepler in right, Buxton in center, Taylor backup center field, and then uh, I think Kirilov's your, the first baseman. And then so you know there's kind of a spot for either Larnick, Walner, Garlic, uh, one of those guys to be you know, kind of a part-time DH backup corner outfielder. Is it logical to think that Garlic would get that spot just because he's a right-handed bat and they got a lot of lefties? That makes sense. Uh, and that's why Garlic makes, that's why Garlic fits here and Garlic does pound left-handed pitching. Um, but, you know, what if, what if they just love the way that Walner or Larnick is swinging? And what if they think those guys can handle hitting against lefties and whatever, you know. So, so yeah, garlic makes sense for that reason. The question is, and I don't think we're going to have an answer to this for a while, do they take garlic busy fits or do they take whoever they think the best overall player is? Jim, the uh, Vikings introduced Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator yesterday, and he talked about uh, Minnesota, and, and this is probably not a surprise, that uh, he talked about Minnesota was the place he wanted to be overall and um, – Going to to be a head coach someplace else wasn't as, um, how did he put it? Um, that this seemed like this was the better fit for him right now. What are your thoughts on uh, Flores coming in and what kind of impact he might make? I think he was the best possible hire. He had the best resume of any candidate. Uh, I think he's a great fit personality wise. I think he's a great fit in terms of aggressiveness. Um, and you know, I mean, Don Hill just was not a good defense coordinator. Just wasn't. I think this upgrades their defense immediately. Now they have a they have a lot of really important, difficult decisions to make about personnel. Uh, but if Flores can bring along Scene and Booth, and those guys can stay healthy, and they can get an impact defender in the draft, and you know, then maybe Asamoah takes over an outside linebacker and gives you a lot more speed. Um, you know, there there are ways this defense can get better immediately and i think flores is the right guy to do it in terms of head coach listen he wants to be a head coach again no doubt uh, but he doesn't want to go be a head coach in another bad situation he's already been through that and i don't know that he would have gotten any of those jobs anyway so i i you know he knows o'connell from way back uh i do think this is a really good fit for him can he get more out of daniel hunter and is daniel hunter better for a 4-3 than a 3-4 daniel hunter's probably better for a 4-3 but you know, I, I really think if you coach it right, any good edge rusher can can do well in a four three or a three four. I, I think the the scheme. I mean, 
he's basically a he's a he's an outside pass rusher no matter what scheme you're in. And I think how you coach the scheme is much more important than which scheme you're in. Daniil Hunter had a good year last year, and he had a productive year. He just wasn't, you know, he just didn't go crazy in the in the pure statistical category of sacks the way he did when he was, you know, one of the best young pass rushers in NFL history. So he's a good player. He's still a good player. Uh, he may never be exactly the pass rusher he was before the injuries, but he's still a good player. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, full slate is up at talknorth.com. We'll do a chin music this, this week from down here uh, with Lavelle and Roy and everything's at talknorth.com. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jay. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by St. Claude's General Rental Center. News from ABC is next. You're listening.